Blog Talk Radio. Dr. Ross Green, welcome to Collaborative Problem Solving at School. I'm delighted that you were able to join in. This program airs each Monday at 3.30 p.m. Eastern Time during the school year. We explore a variety of topics aimed at helping you better understand and help challenging students and implement the collaborative problem solving approach in your classroom and your school. If you have a question or comment, call 646-727-2691. Once again, that's 646 646- 727-2691. If you call in, you'll be muted until I bring you on the air. And now, let's talk about challenging kids and how we can help them. Well, hello there, and welcome to the last collaborative problem-solving at school for this school year. And uh, what a school year it's been. Um, maybe we've helped a fair number of challenging kids. Maybe not. We certainly know the ones we don't feel like we've helped very well. And, um, well, a lot of schools aren't getting out all that soon, I'm learning. Uh, My friends in Canada aren't getting out until the end of June. There's a lot of uh, other public schools that aren't getting out until the end of June. But, um, well, I'm out of town or indisposed for many of the next Mondays until some folks are getting out. So today's going to be our last one of the school year. Um, And that, um, well, it's always nice to have a break over the summer, but uh, uh, this has been a uh, fun program for me to do, and a lot of folks have told me that they've uh, gotten quite a bit out of it, whether they're listening live or to the uh, archived uh, recorded version of the program. So uh, that part's been great. Um, And yes, I'll be back in September, and... um, got some ideas for how we can make the program more interesting for folks and uh, involve more folks in it. Um, but in the meantime, if you want to take advantage of this, your last chance to call in uh, during this school year, uh, you've got the number, 646-727-2691. Um, 646-727-2691. I've... Uh, lost access to my email temporarily, and so that would not be the way to uh, get me information during today's program until I can find a way to access it again. Um, But these are your 45 minutes. Um, How's this year going for you? If you've been trying to implement collaborative problem solving in your school during the school year, how's it going? I mean, I've been working with a bunch of schools this past school year, and well, in, in some it's gone really well and some a little less well. Uh, it's going to be the topic for the day, what we've learned, what I've learned um, from implementing collaborative problem solving and helping different schools implement it over the course of the school year. I like to think I've learned a few things. Um, and what I learn, of course, helps me uh, help others implement collaborative problem solving in subsequent school years. And there's lots of schools that are in line for getting some direct supervision and coaching in implementing collaborative problem solving next year as well. How's it gone for you? I mean, even in the places where it's gone well, uh, it's been hard. And in the places where it hasn't gone so well, it's been hard. Hard is the uh, guaranteed ingredient. Uh, No matter what, it's going to be hard. Turning around school discipline is hard. And collaborative problem solving 
um, turns around school discipline. It, it completely changes the way people are thinking about who challenging kids are and what they need from us so that they're less challenging. But it's hard. Turning it around is hard. That's guaranteed. Uh, especially if and there's a lot of initiatives out there that would have you not doing collaborative problem solving, that would have you mm, just doing the same old reward and punishment program uh, in different clothing. And um, I really can't see the point in doing the same thing we've always done but putting it in different clothing and thinking it's going to look any better. Um, you know, you, you can start collecting data on what you've done all along and quantify what you've been doing all along, but if what you've been doing all along hasn't been working very well, then collecting data is great and quantifying is great, but I have a bad feeling about what those data are going to quantify. We're still not doing very well with the challenging kids in our midst. We're still losing too many of them, and that is a human tragedy. And it's going to require, to turn it around, it's going to require that we change our lenses and rethink who challenging kids are, how they got to be that way. We're going to have to come to some understanding of why challenging kids are challenging if we're going to turn things around. We're going to have to organize the effort if we're going to turn things around. And then we're going to have to get busy teaching them the skills they are so clearly lacking and helping them solve the problems that have been reliably and predictably setting in motion their challenging behavior for a very long time. I find that when we do those things, hard as it might be, things get better. And I find that when what we've always done, especially when what we've always done isn't those three things, things do not get better. They often get worse. How's it gone in your building? I can tell you what I've learned this school year. Um, some of the things that are crucial to collaborative problem solving working well in a building, hard still in the mix, but at least have something to show for all that hard work. Thing number one, and these are in no particular order, but this might be at the top of the list, a commitment on the part of leadership in the building to making it a very high priority for us to take a second look at what we're doing with our behaviorally challenging kids in the building and leadership commitment to changing things for the better. Uh, you know, I love having individual teachers in a building try new things, and I think it's great to do collaborative problem solving with an individual student in the building but whenever I'm doing collaborative problem solving with an individual student in a building and helping people do collaborative problem solving for an individual student, and by no means is that a terrible place to start, I find myself wondering if all of the mechanisms that are presently in place don't change, then what's going to happen to all of the students in the building who have behavioral challenges who are not getting collaborative problem solving? What happens to them? If we're going to put on a different set of lenses for one challenging kid in the building, wouldn't that set of lenses be just as applicable 
to the other kids in the building? You know, committing to changing things means committing to putting the time in. Now, ultimately, collaborative problem solving will save time, but it's going to take some time to save it. So leadership has to be committed to putting the time in. Leadership has to be committed to continuity. I've talked about continuity on this program before. Uh, this is not a flash in the pan. This is not flavor of the month. You don't change things for challenging kids in the building in a month or even in two. You can make some headway with one challenging kid in a month or two or a few, but turning things around for the challenging kids in the building, and it's worth it, requires continuity. And that means that leadership in the building has to be participating, has to be learning about this themselves. This isn't something that we're just saying, my teachers, I'd love my teachers to hear about this. This is something everyone's doing together. So leadership commitment is item number one. Time commitment. Uh, getting good at plan B in particular takes time, takes continuous feedback, takes coaching, takes going back to the drawing board, takes putting our heads together to think about what didn't go so well there? Which of the key ingredients seem to have been missing? What what didn't do we what didn't we do well with plan B? Why isn't the kid talking? But getting good at all that takes time. We put time into a lot of other initiatives. We got the time to put in to help our 15 or 20 frequent flyers in the school discipline program, kids in the building. We got the time to see them through more compassionate, more accurate, more productive lenses. Ingredient number three, paperwork. These are the elements that I'm helping schools do even before they start trying to get good at Plan B these days. Paperwork. Uh, is the assessment of lagging skills and unsolved problems a part of our meetings in which we are talking about the challenging kids in our building? Is it a standard? Well, it's only one single-sided single sheet of paper, so it's not, not like it's going to take a lot of paper. But it needs to become a standard part of what we do in our functional behavior assessments. It needs to become a standard part of the meetings that take place in which we are talking about challenging kids and trying to figure out why they're challenging, what's getting in their way. Then the other piece of paperwork, the Plan B flowchart, is that how we're tracking how each challenging kid is doing and tracking and helping the people in the building who are trying to do Plan B with that kid. So all the things I'm learning need to be front-loaded to make this fly in a building. Once again, you can make some headway with a single challenging kid without these ingredients, but you want this to work in a building? These are the ingredients, and paperwork's a big part of it. 
along with paperwork, ingredient number four, communication. As if you've heard this program before, you know that one of the things I always say is that the only models of intervention that don't require excellent communication are the ones that don't work. The ones that don't work. They require excellent. They don't require excellent communication because the left hand doesn't need to know what the right hand is doing in models that don't work. The ones that do work, they require excellent communication. The left hand has to know what the right hand is doing. Otherwise, everybody's working on something different with the kid. Everybody's going about doing it in a completely different way. And those of you who know me know that I call that winging it. We wing it too much with the challenging kids in our building because each person's doing their own thing. There's no shared set of values, no shared philosophy. Collaborative problem solving gives you philosophy. It's kids do well if they can. We don't know what our targets are. We don't know what our unsolved problems are. We don't know the kid through the prism of lagging skills. These are all the things that effective models of care require. Ineffective ones don't. I think we need a, and this is ingredient number five, tracking and monitoring system. You know, there's so many things we keep track of in a building. I'm adding one to the list. But, uh, boy, this is an important one. Rather than just keeping track of suspensions and detentions, shouldn't we be tracking and monitoring each individual frequent flyer kid, the kids who are the frequent flyers in our school discipline program? Why aren't we tracking them? And why aren't we tracking the people who are doing Plan B with them to see how it's going and to try to keep track and provide people with the help they need if it's not going well. Ingredient number six, we need a core group in our building, uh, what we might call the CPS team, the core group of people who are really hitting it hard to try to get good at collaborative problem solving, to try to have it all down pat, and to try to uh, be a resource for the other folks in the building who are just starting to try it on for size. You know, a lot of uh, schools are sending some key members of their core group to the advanced trainings that I'm doing this summer. Uh, the one in Oregon is now over-enrolled. The, the one in uh, Portland, Maine has a few slots left, and the one in Vancouver, British Columbia has some slots left. The goal is to get some people in the building are really good at collaborative problem solving, the core group, the CPS team, so that they can be of assistance to those who are just getting their feet wet. I think you start, and this is what I've been doing with a lot of schools, you start with your core group and then you spread it out to the other folks once the core group has started becoming proficient in the model. I think this is ingredient number seven. 
we need a game plan. We need a timeline. We need benchmarks. Where do we want to be when? Otherwise, we never get where we want it to be because we didn't identify where we want it to be in the first place. Where do we want to be? And how long are we going to take ourselves to get there? Uh, I'll be posting some benchmarks on the Lives in the Balance website sooner than later. Um, realistic expectations for where you want to be and at what point in the school year. Uh, when do you want to make sure that the ALSUP and the Plan B flowchart are, are part of the standard paperwork? Uh, now, there's your benchmark. Uh, when do we want to start tracking and monitoring our challenging kids and the people who are working with them to see if they need help? Now. When do we want to get leaders on board? Now. When do we want to improve the mechanisms by which we're communicating? Now. When do we want people to be really good at Plan B? Well, no, that's not now. That If you're just starting, that's going to take a little while. Need a benchmark for that. How many kids do we want people to do Plan B with before we start having the expectation that they'll be starting to become proficient at it? There's a benchmark. That's not now. But what's our time timeline? What's our game plan? Where do we want to be and when? And how do we want our progress to be reflected? Is it in a certain, per, you know, we do this on IEPs where we say that the kid's going to be good at this thing or do this thing 80% of the time. What percentage of the time are we going to be doing plan B with kids? What percentage of the time are we not going to send them to the office? Are we not going to suspend or give a detention? And when are we going to hit those percentages? We need benchmarks. It's ingredient number seven. How do we help the folks who are having trouble doing Plan B? Um, well, your tracking system is crucial there because it's going to let you know who's having trouble. How do we coach them along? How do we approach them when they seem to be struggling with the model? What's that going to look like? Well, I, I mean, I have a certain idea about what it looks like. It starts, of course, with the words... I've noticed that and continues with trying to find out what the person's struggling with. Are they struggling with the philosophy of the model? Are they struggling with certain aspects of Plan B? Those things should be identifiable, but only if we're inquiring. Let's ask. How do we know someone's struggling? They are continuing to make full use of the traditional discipline program that was in place in the building. They're sending kids down to the office frequently. That's how we know. How do we help them? I think we do it by drilling for information to try to find out what's getting in their way. I was speaking in front of a bunch of uh, educators this morning, all from Massachusetts, a uh, 
workshop sponsored by the Massachusetts Department of Education. And um, people become very invigorated when they're first hearing about collaborative problem solving, but we know that feeling of invigoration doesn't last. The real world hits you square in the face after you're through being invigorated, and then you're less invigorated. How do we keep up our momentum? Benchmarks help. Commitment helps. Communication helps. But And having a group in the building who's already starting to get pretty good at collaborative problem solving helps. And helping those who are having trouble helps. That's ingredient number eight. Well, this next one is, uh, this next one is, comes, you don't front load this. This is, this is after. Um, once you start having success with collaborative problem solving, you're likely to run into a little bit of um, what you might call cognitive dissonance because collaborative problem solving may not be congruent with what your school discipline program tells you you're supposed to be doing with challenging kids. And so once people start meeting with some success and start becoming proficient in plan B and have the right lenses on and it starts to spread throughout the school, it's not uncommon for a school or system to feel need to revisit and revise their existing discipline policies and procedures. Then you're really memorializing all the progress that you've made. Then you're setting in stone what you've learned and how you want it to last forever. You don't want it's fine for collaborative problem solving to be the uh, initiative of a few key folks in the building. But at some point, you want to memorialize all the changes you've made in response to collaborative problem solving and revisit and sometimes revise existing discipline policies and procedures. Otherwise, if those people leave the building then it's possible that collaborative problem solving is going to leave with them. Now, that there's number one, if they go to a different building, then that's good news because the kids in the new building will get collaborative problem solving, but what about the kids in the old building? Sometimes you've got to set it in stone. During our team meetings, all members will have a blank copy of the assessment of lagging skills and unsolved problems in front of them. And we'll spend 20 minutes reviewing each kid's lagging skills, 20 minutes on each kid's unsolved problems, 10 minutes prioritizing. We'll pick the two or three unsolved problems that are reliably and predictably setting in motion the kid's challenging behavior, the ones that are our highest priorities. And we're going to fill out the Plan B flowchart, and we're going to figure out who's doing Plan B with each kid. And then we're going to track it over time, track progress to see what problems got solved. If a problem is durably solved, another unsolved problem takes its place on the Plan B flowchart. 
and we're going to meet this often to review the frequent flyers in our building and see how they're doing and see how the people who are trying to help them are doing and who needs help and how we're going to approach them to make sure they get the help that they need and the coaching that they need. And here's where we want to be when. And here's the time we're going to put into making sure that all of this happens. And if we're collecting data, look at how well we're doing. No, it wasn't easy. But look at what we have to show for our efforts. Good for us. And good for the challenging kids in our building. That's what it takes to make it fly. It's great to get a taste of collaborative problem solving. Outstanding to get the ball rolling with a book study. Better to form a core group of people who are committed to change in the building, who are committed to making this a proactive venture, dealing with challenging kids proactive, not emergent, who are committed to turning around the discipline program in the building. I can promise you this. There are lots of resources in the pike, in the pipeline, coming down the pike. Sorry, I'm mixing metaphors. Lots of uh, resources coming down the road to help your school do this even better. You want to keep checking back on the Lives in the Balance website. I've been so busy these days that things I've been wanting to put up on the website aren't quite up yet, but uh, I'm working on it. But there's all kinds of stuff uh, coming down the pike to help you do this even better. And of course, as you know, that's my mission. And that's the mission of Lives in the Balance. So you want to keep checking back. If you can't make it to one of the advanced trainings this summer, and I know most folks can't, but if you can, outstanding. If you can't, a lot of resources are going to be available to you on the Lives in the Balance website, and of course they are absolutely 100% free. You'll never be asked for a donation on the Lives in the Balance website. You'll never be asked to buy anything. It's just where you find as many resources as I can possibly provide to help you do collaborative problem solving. It's been a fun program, and uh, I'm sorry to see it end, but I think we're going to call it a day for today, a short program today, but that's okay. Um, we're ready for the school year to end, and maybe you're even ready for this program to end. I've heard from some of you who are sorry that this program is ending now, but um, we'll be okay. And uh, we'll be back with more collaborative problem-solving at school next school year, better improved. Have a great summer. Talk to you next school year.